So today I want us to now turn our hearts to receive from the Lord today. So uh, repeat this prayer after me. I forgot to put it in my PowerPoint, but I think we know by now. But repeat it after me. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King. Give me ears to hear, eyes to see, and the will to obey your word which I hear today. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. So today we are concluding our series on Yeshua, who is he? Rabbi Michael started this five-week series by encouraging us that Yeshua is our Savior. His precious blood secured atonement for you and for me. By grace and through faith, our names are written in the book of life. It's not anything we have done. In our second mes message, I explored the topic that Yeshua is our sanctifier. Just as I am saved through him, I am sanctified through him. It is not my human efforts, although I must cooperate daily with him. Remember, as I concluded the message, I said it came down to our love relationship with us. My love for him, his love for me empowers me to daily walk in obedience to his word. Then Rabbi Michael showed us how Yeshua is our spirit immerser. He poured out his spirit on us to enable us to live this sanctified life and to walk in his anointing to bring change to the world. And our world needs change today. God is looking for history makers, and you and I need to be those. And last week, I encouraged you that Yeshua is our healer. He is Adonai Rapha, and we must not shrink back from that truth, from proclaiming it, and we must not, must not shrink back from praying for the sick. And today, I'm going to conclude this message with the topic Yeshua is our soon-coming king. So as I was preparing for this message, I happened to visit a website of a Bible college, and they had a page that uh, talked about the second coming, and this is what they had written on that page. It said, we believe in the second coming of the Messiah. His return from heaven will be personal, visible, and glorious, a blessed hope for which we should constantly Watch and pray. And friends, Rabbi Michael, and my hope for you today is that you will be inspired and encouraged by this message to believe and long for this personal, visible, and glorious return of our King. Another article that I was reading about the second coming of Messiah was talking about the first century uh, believers that every time they met one another in their everyday interaction, they would, not in their services, but every day when they would greet one another, they would greet with this Aramaic word, Maranatha, which means the Lord is coming. It was at the forefront of their mind. I grew up in a congregation, an era where the soon coming return of the Messiah was often at the forefront of our minds and the topic of many messages. Myrna and I have talked about that many times. She grew up in a similar environment. Uh, the 
the minister often spoke about the soon coming king. In fact, it was so much on uh, our mind. I remember coming home from, had to be school, and I don't know where my siblings were. They had to be around me, uh, but I'm telling you with the thoughts I had in my mind as I walked in and in the middle of the kitchen floor was the mop and the bucket, which my mom never left things out. The vacuum was out in the living room. And all of a sudden, I panic, and I'm saying, oh, did he come? Oh, no, right? And I am freaking out inside. And then I calm myself down and said, no, Carol, you know him. You wouldn't be here if he came. All right. And, you know, my dad had come home and decided to take my mom somewhere. And my mom did something she never, ever does and left everything in the middle of the floor. So that was uh, a frightening moment. I remember another story, another time when one of my friends called me like 1 o'clock in the morning or so, 1 or 2 in the morning, and she said, I woke up and I was afraid the rapture would take place. So I wanted to make sure you were here because if you were still here, I knew I'd be okay. But the thing is, we were constantly reminded of this biblical truth. He's a soon-coming king. And unfortunately for the body of Messiah today, this important theological truth has taken a back seat as we have preoccupied our minds and our lives with the here and now instead of the kingdom to come. And don't get me wrong, God wants us to live in the here and now. As I said, Right now, he is looking for some history makers to stand up in this generation to make a difference. But as we do, we need to always be mindful of the kingdom, including this spiritual truth. Our own doctrinal statement as a congregation and denomination has four fundamental truths, the last four, that are dedicated to this biblical truth. They are the blessed hope, which says the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in Messiah and their translation together with those who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord is the imminent and blessed hope of the Kehilah. The 14th one says the millennial reign of Messiah, and it says the second coming of Messiah includes the rapture of the saints, which is our blessed hope, followed by the visible return of Messiah with his Kiddushim to reign on the earth for 1,000 years. The fifth is the final judgment. There will be a final judgment in which the wicked dead will be raised and judged according to their works. And the 16th one is the new heavens and the new earth, which state we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and the new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And the whole point of this theological biblical truth is to instill hope in our hearts. And this hope is woven throughout the fabric of the scriptures. Listen to one, what one article said about the prominence of this truth in scriptures. I'm going to give you some statistics and data today. There are 1,000, one scholar estimated 1,845 references to the second coming of Messiah in the Tanakh where 17 books give it great prominence. In the 260 chapters of the New Covenant, there are 318 references to the second coming of Messiah. That means one out of every 30 verses is talking about the second coming of Messiah. 
23 of the 27 books of the New Covenant refer to this great event. And for every prophecy in the Bible concerning his first coming, which many uh, people in the world will celebrate here in a month or so, we celebrated that Sukkot time, where it says he would be born in Bethlehem. For every one prophecy that speaks of that first coming, there are eight that speak of his second coming. What does that say to me? And what should it say to you? This is an important spiritual truth. It is foundational to our faith, and we need to be aware of what it is. And it should not be ignored. It is embedded in what is known in theological terminology as eschatology, the study of the end time. In my sermon today, I know you're going to be sad, but I don't have the time <laughs> to unfold all the intricacies of eschatological truth. Ooh, that was a big word. I'm glad, Rabbi Carol. They're big terms, Latin theology, Greek terms, but really it's simply the study of the end of times. But I do want to give you a general overview focusing on the Messiah's second coming that I pray will lift your spirits and encourage your heart today and give you hope and expectation for the future. I'm not here to give you a day or an hour because that would be foolish on my part. Yeshua said in Mark chapter 13, concerning the day and exact hour, no one knows when it will arrive. Not the angels of heaven, not even the Son, Yeshua himself, does not even know when he is going to return. Only the Father knows. That is why you must be waiting, watching, and praying, because no one knows when that season or time will come. So I'm not going to give you a day or a time. But I'm here to help you turn your focus to something that perhaps you have neglected and not given much thought to in your walk of faith. So I want to explore the purpose of his coming, reflecting on those four uh, points of our fundamental beliefs. I have three things that I want to share with you. Why is Yeshua coming a second time? The first thing is to bring us home. We know from the scriptures, again, I don't have time to get into all the details, but we know that before his second coming, there will be a time of great distress and difficulty. It will be a time when darkness seeks to encroach on society and where evil seeks to rule. It will be a time of spiritual contention. Does that sound familiar? I'm not giving you a day. I'm not giving you a time. But... Yeshua does say, be watchful and be aware of the signs that precede his coming. And in times like this, the scriptures encourage us as the body of Messiah, lift up your eyes for your redemption draws nigh. It draws near. Rav Shaul describes this event on several occasions. First to the Kehilah in Thessalonica, he writes, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, for the Lord himself will appear with the declaration of victory, the shout of an archangel, and the trumpet blast of God. He will descend from the heavenly realm and command those who are dead in Messiah to rise first. Then we who are alive will join them 
transported together in clouds to have an encounter with the Lord in the air. And we will be forever joined with the Lord. So encourage one another with these truths. Amen. And that's what Rabbi Michael and I are trying to do through this message is to encourage and bring to the forefront of your mind the soon coming of our King Yeshua. Rav Shaul encourages that his appearing will be one of great victory, which represents his kingship being established once and for all over all humanity. What a glorious day that will be, friends. I hope that you are inspired as you hear all the scriptures that I'm going to be going through in the message today. One day Yeshua will appear in the sky and he will gather all of his saints, his kiddushim, to him. Those who have gone on before us, my father, my grandmother, Michael's father and mother, many others, your family members who have already left, they are going to be caught up in the air first. We're going to watch them go up, and then we are going to be caught up, whatever generation that is that is alive at that time. I don't know if it's this generation or if it's the next, but we who are alive and remain on this earth will be caught up in the sky with them. We will be translated from this physical realm, this physical realm, we will be translated from this realm into an eternal heavenly realm. And we are told to encourage one another with this truth. That is why that first century Kehilah greeted one another, Maranatha, he's coming soon. Rav Shaul also mentioned this to the Kehilah in Corinth when he writes in chapter 15, listen, and I will tell you a divine mystery. Not all of us will die. There's going to be a generation that doesn't die. Again, I don't know if it's this generation or not, but there will be a generation that does not die. But we will all, we will all be transformed. It will happen in an instant. In the twinkling of his eye, for when the last trumpet is sounded, the dead will come back to life, and we will be indestructible, and we will be transformed. For we will discard our mortal clothes and slip into a body that is imperishable. What is mortal now will be exchanged for immortality." Do you hear what he is saying, friends? We will be changed. We will be transformed. This physical body that houses me, it's not my real body. I know you think it is. It's not. And one day this physical body is going to be exchanged for an immortal body, a glorious body that will not know pain or suffering. My ear is clogged today, and it is like, oh, this. I'm not going to experience that anymore. I'm going to be free from all of that because this clothing of body is going to be put aside as I receive my new glorious body. And Yeshua gives the same assurance to his Talmudim in Yochanan chapter 14. He is preparing to go and offer himself on the tree of sacrifice. And he knows that his Talmudim are going to face some serious uh, situations and there's going to be some persecution coming their way. And he says to them, don't let yourselves be disturbed. Trust in God and trust in me. Now, I was in my office before the first service, and I was going through my message, and when I came to this, this verse, I really felt God said to me, this is a word to the body of Messiah today. 
because with everything that is going on in our society, and I want to tell you I was on a phone call yesterday, and it is scary what might come down the pike from our government, government towards houses of worship and believers, okay? Just telling you that. But God gives us this word, don't let yourselves be disturbed. Trust in God. For the last eight months of this uncertainty and all that is going in our world, Rabbi Michael and I and our leadership team have continually told you your eyes need to be on God and God alone. He is your sustainer. He is the one who is going to see you. I put my hope and my trust in him. Amen. And Yeshua goes on to say, in my Father's house are many mansions, many places to live. If there weren't, I would have told you, because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So I'm going and preparing a place for you, and I will return to take you with me so that where I am, you may be also. He is there preparing a place for me, a mansion. And I told her in the first service, I said, my family, I hope their mansions are beside me. And I wouldn't even mind if they lived in my mansion. I'll share it. But he's going to take us to the place he has prepared. That's what the second coming is about. He's going to receive us and take us to our eternal home that he is preparing right now for you and me. This rapture is what some have called this will be accompanied by what is known as the millennial reign. Revelation chapter 20 describes this. When Yochanan says, next I saw an angel coming down from heaven who had the key to the great abyss and a great chain in his hand. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, the adversary, chained him up for a thousand years, threw him into the abyss and locked it and sealed it over on him. This millennial reign will be a reign of peace. Many feel that its purpose, many scholars and theologians feel its purpose is to reward the faithfulness of the believers throughout the centuries. That uh, we as followers of God did not give up. We did not lose hope in the battle, in the fray, but we continue to remain faithful to our faith. And so many feel that the millennial reign is a reward for that. So the first purpose of the second coming is to bring us to our spiritual home. The second purpose of the, the second coming is more sobering to me, and it should be to you. It is to bring judgment. Revelation 20, I'm going to be reading a lot from Revelation and the rest of the message. Verse 11, he says, Yochanan says, Next, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, Earth and heaven fled from his presence, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing in front of the throne. Books were opened, and another book was opened, the book of life. And the dead were judged from what was written in the books, according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead in it, and the death and Sheol gave up the dead in them, and they were judged each according to what he had done. Then death and Sheol were hurled into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And listen to me, everyone pay attention and listen to me. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life 
was hurled into the lake of fire. Friends, we live on this earth for such a minuscule time compared to eternity. After the flood, Adonai promised Noah 120 years. Most people don't live that long. If you're lucky to live 90, 100 years, but it's minuscule compared to eternity. And God wants us to know that he understands and sees the injustices we suffer under, and he is aware of the evil that presses against us. The psalmist often wrestled with this, and you can read as he struggles, and I don't get it, God, why the evil seem to prosper so. And I believe it's Tehillim 78. It says, when I came into the sanctuary, I saw the light. And the light is that judgment day is coming. And that is a day when Satan, the evil one, and all his minions will be judged for who they are. Unfortunately, it will also be a day of judgment for all those who have rejected the Messiah. And friends, this truth should spur us on to share the good news, bringing many from out underneath judgment into the reward of eternal life. We need to literally pull people out of hell's fire by whatever means it takes. When I was working on this message and I came to this part, I was reminded of a story from the Brownsville revival of a young girl named Whitney Lane. She had to be five or six years old, and uh, God used the children there in a mighty way. I'm just telling parents, don't underestimate your children and God's anointing on them. And uh, she was travailing. If you don't know what that word means, it means interceding and praying. And, and she was at the front, and the, the pastor's wife observed her or heard her first, and then tried to find out who it was. But this is what she was doing. She was reaching down and pulling out and putting over her shoulder and reaching down and pulling over her shoulder, down and up. This is what she was doing. And this morning, uh, I was up early. I was up around 5, and I went to find a video of her testimony of this event because they asked her to share with the congregation and I was sure I could find it. So I wrote down, this is her exact words. She, again, she's five, maybe six at the most. And you can find it on YouTube, Whitney Lane. So I transcribed her words. She said, God told me to take people off the earth who were living like hell and put them in a place where they would live like Yeshua. God told me if I didn't snatch them off the earth, they would go down to hell when they died. She's five years old. She says, so I obeyed God, and I pulled them up. Then she takes a moment to describe how she got prayed for. And she said that, I, I, you know, a lot of times when people were prayed for in the revival, they fell down, you know, slain. And the Spirit said, I didn't get slain like everyone else. She says, but I was bending down, and I was bending over like this. And I heard in my ear God say, Whitney, when you grow up, you're going to deliver my people. And then their mother said, please tell them more about what was going on when you were pulling your arms, and she said, when I was pulling my arms down over my shoulders, she said, when I put them down, I felt the pain that people would feel in hell. And when I pulled them up and over my shoulders, she said, I felt God running through my arms. 
I would feel love and joy and peace. And it felt wonderful. She's five years old describing this. She says, because when I put them down, I felt the pain people would feel in hell. Sobering. His second coming means judgment day is about to happen. And friends, listen to me, whether in this sanctuary, whether on YouTube or Facebook, whether to a podcast, this is uh, November 14, 2020. If he doesn't return in the next five, ten years, you might be listening to this ten years from now. I want to tell you, Judgment Day is coming, and every single one of us will stand before God Almighty, and we will be judged. And our eternal destiny will be decided. For the righteous, those who have accepted Yeshua and live according to his principles, it will be eternal life. For those who have rejected him or paid lip service to him and live their lives for themselves, yielding to the darkness, it will be eternity separated from God, and you will be sent to a place of extreme torment. This is sobering to me. This is not preached a lot. As I said, it's for bygone days. I grew up hearing messages like this all the time. Put the fear of God in me, I want to tell you. As it should. It's the most sobering part or aspect of the second coming. I long for the coming of Yeshua, but my heart is heavy because I have family members who if Judgment Day were right now, they would not make it into heaven. And I know there are some of you listening right now. If Judgment Day happened right now, you wouldn't go into heaven. And that grieves my heart. Many of my family members are Jewish people, others who don't have a personal living relationship with Yeshua. And that's why that first century Kehillah was about the business of preaching the good news because they lived as if he could come any moment. That is why they turned the known world upside down for Yeshua, spreading the good news of who he was wherever they went. And that's why Neander, a Jewish historian, says there were probably about a million Jewish believers in Yeshua by the end of the first century because they took serious his second coming and they wanted everyone to know the good news and to have their name written in the book of life. Sobering, his second coming represents judgment day. And the third thing, the second coming, the reason for the second coming of the king of Yeshua is to establish the new heavens and the new earth. Going back to Revelation chapter 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had passed away, and the sea was no longer there. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, God's Shekinah is with mankind, and he will live with them. 
They will be his people, and he himself, God, with them will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death, and there will no longer be any mourning, crying, or pain, because the old order has passed away. Then the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And he said, Write, these words are true and trustworthy. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To anyone who is thirsty, I myself will give water free of charge from the fountain of life. Who who wins the victory will receive these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Friends, this is the hope of the return of our Messiah. He will establish his kingdom of righteousness forever. It is a restoration of what was intended to be when Adonai created this world in the beginning. And in this kingdom, there will be no pain, no sorrow, and life as we know it will no longer exist. I love my life on this earth, I have to tell you. I have been blessed beyond measured. I have a beautiful family. I know, ladies, you may disagree, but my husband, Michael, is the best husband ever. He's my best friend. He stood with me and supported God's call on my life and uh, gone through many, many difficult things over the years. I know he loves me more today than he did yesterday, and he will love me more tomorrow than he does today, and he even wrote a song about it. And I, am and I am grateful for his love. And Abigail and Josiah would make any mama proud. Their love for God is such a blessing to me, and they are such giving young adults. And going through this journey called life with my family is such a pleasure and a delight. I love them. I love my family in Missouri. I went home for the first time in probably five years or, or more, and you saw all those pictures I took. My mom, God bless her, is still alive. Henri as ever. God bless mom. My crazy brothers and sisters, I have three brothers and two sisters. I think I have 16 nephews and nieces, a lot, and their families, great nephews and nieces. I think if we would all show up together, we're about 70-some people. And... Uh, I love my family, and I joy being with them and living life here on this earth. But friends, this is not my home. This is not my home. And it's not your home. We are truly pilgrims passing through this earth. One day, this eastern sky behind me is going to split wide open. And Yeshua will come, and if I'm still here, and if I happen to be preaching on that day, sorry, Michael. Michael, me and my children are going to be caught up into the sky. And if you are a follower of Yeshua, you too will be taken off this earth 
And what awaits us is far beyond our comprehension. Even this description that we read here in Revelation, we don't fully understand it. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. Let's continue reading in Revelation. He carried me off in the spirit to the top of a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It had the Shekinah, the glory of God, so that its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel, like a crystal clear diamond. It had a great high wall with 12 gates. At the 12 gates were 12 angels, and inscribed on the gates were the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. The wall was made of diamond and the city of pure gold resembling pure glass. There's nothing on this earth compares. The foundations of the city wall were decorated with all kinds of precious stone. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. Gates are pretty big, so that's a big pearl, guys, just saying. The main street was pure gold, transparent as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for Adonai, God of heaven's army, is its temple as is the Lamb. The city has no need for the sun or the moon to shine on it because God's Shekinah, his glory, gives it light and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Its gates will never close. They stay open day and night because night will not exist. And the honor and splendor of the nations will be brought in. At Yochanan's description is reminiscent of that from Isaiah chapter 66. There's a great parallel between these two books. And this new Jerusalem is my permanent home, and I hope it is yours. All nations will be there. We're not going to lose our identity when we go into the new world. You're still going to know I'm Carol, even though I don't have this body anymore. Mankind has his version of what he thinks would be a new world or order or a new world age. But I want to tell you, man's idea is fraught with mishaps and danger as it is fueled by greed and power-hungry people. But that's not God's new world. God's new world will be a place of our eternal rest where we will be in the presence of God Almighty and of Yeshua, our Savior and Redeemer. It will be a place free of greed, of jealousy, and power struggles. There will be no contention in heaven, thank God. But there will be a place of great, great shalom. Turning to chapter 22, bear with me, I'm coming to the end here. Next, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, sparkling like crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And between the main street and the river was the tree of life producing 12 kinds of fruit. A different kind every month and the leaves of the tree for, for healing the nations. No longer will there be any curses. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will no longer exist. So they will need neither the light of the lamp nor the light of the sun because Adonai will shine upon that and they will reign as kings forever and ever. Once again, we're going to see the tree of life. It's been lost since the Garden of Eden. It is going to be restored along with us in that heavenly realm. It's going to bring healing. There's going to be no more curses. 
True freedom and wholeness awaits for you and me. And in the midst of this city is the throne of God Almighty and the Lamb of God, and we are going to fall before him with such grateful gratitude and awe of who he is and what he has done. In the past, we sung a song. I could only imagine there was a movie made of that song, a great movie. I sat and wept in the theater when I watched it. But it says, when I come into his presence, what will I do? Will I stand before him or will I fall on my knees? I'm going to tell you, I know the answer to that question. Everyone's going to fall on their knees. Because we're going to finally get it. We're going to truly understand the extent of his love and his sacrifice for us. It's not going to be a mere intellectual process, but we're going to experience, and I don't know how our emotions are going to work in heaven, but I'm going to tell you, we are going to somehow experience the fullness emotionally of everything that Yeshua did for us, the great love and compassion that God Almighty had for us. And on that day, we are going to understand and we are going to fall down before him and we are going to cry out with the elders and the saints already in heaven, Kadosh, 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 Adonai Tzivaot. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and is to come. Holy is the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. Yeshua was slain. He knew he was going to do it before the world was created. And John goes on to say, he said to me, these words are true and trustworthy. Adonai, God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servant the things that must happen. Look, I am coming very soon. Blessed is the person who obeys the words of the prophecy written. Pay attention, says Yeshua. Do you hear what he is saying today? Pay attention. I am coming soon. The one who is testifying to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Maranatha, come, Lord Yeshua, come. We need to hear the word of the Lord today. He is the soon-coming king. As I close, I want us to reflect on how this theological truth should impact us. Okay, Rabbi Carol, he's our soon-coming king. Great. What does that mean to me? In my walk of faith, how should this theological truth impact our lives? I was reading an article that gave four things, and I added the fifth, and I'm going to show those with you as I close the message now. The promise of the second coming is a promise to believers. What does that promise entail? Death soon shall pass. The promise that the enemy of our soul shall soon be eternally defeated. And the promise that victory is sure, confirmed by the fact that Yeshua rose from the dead and he sent his Ruach HaKodesh. The second coming is also a warning to unbelievers. If you are listening to me today and you don't serve God, you are doing your own thing because you think God is a crock and you don't have time for him. As I said, judgment day is coming. And this is a warning that judgment is sure, no one will escape judgment. And it's a warning that eternity is a long, 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 long time. The promise of the second coming is also alert, an alert to the lukewarm believer. In other words, friends, it's time to stop playing games with God's truth and to set your spiritual house in order. 
I'm your rabbi. I love you. You're watching me on YouTube. You're listening to the podcast. Thank you both to Lord Jean and Randy back there. They both take care of those two things. Thank you. What a blessing for all the work they do getting these things out. I love you, but I want to tell you, it's time to start, stop playing games. In the same book, Yeshua says, if you are lukewarm, I'm going to throw you up. I'm going to vomit you. I know this is not popular preaching these days, but Rabbi Michael and I are here to give you the whole truth of the word of God. And I am excited that Yeshua is my soon coming king, but I'm also concerned for many who are playing games and who are lukewarm in their walk. And you can come here every week and sit in this seat every week. I don't care. It doesn't mean that you're going to enter into heaven. You can listen to every message I have preached. And my husband that's preached, you could go back through the archives of all those podcasts. You could go watch every sermon, every service here. And it doesn't mean that you're going to enter into that new heaven and new earth. It only happens by being under the blood of Yeshua. That secures it. So it's a warning and an alert to the lukewarm believer. It's also a prayer for the Kehilah to continually pray, to bring us from us an rousing amen, the article said, and to cause us to pray, now is the time, Lord Yeshua, come. And this is the fifth one that I added. The promise of the second coming is to me an inspiration to preach the good news. It should bring urgency for the lost. It should compel us to be bold in our proclamation. You don't have to like me. I don't care, friend. I don't care if you like me. If you hear my words and it makes you enter into heaven, that's good enough for me. Okay? You can say you're radical, you're fanatical, you're narrow-minded. Yes, amen, I am because I know what that judgment day represents. And when I saw that little girl, and I remembered her, and when I went and found that video, and I saw her, and I saw her begin to weep and travail again, watch the video, I said, there are family members I don't want to spend eternity in hell. And if you're watching me, whether you're watching, my family sometimes watches, I love you, family. Anyone else, I love you. But you need to know judgment is coming, and you need to know the truth. And for all of you who are here, part of Beth Emanuel, I want to tell you, you need to take this serious, and we need to start opening up our mouths like never before. I get it. Things are not as normal. We can't do the normal things we do. We pack out according to our schedule, what we're allowed here. I know you see some empty seats, but our seats are filled up every week for this second service. And that's good news. And you say, well, what can I do? We have a first service to fill up. Just saying, guys, okay? People need to hear the good news and the promise of the second coming should inspire you to preach the good news and to be more active in sharing your faith and to compel people to come into the kingdom. Friends, our hope is in Yeshua, our soon coming king. We cry out, Maranatha, come Lord Yeshua, come. I want you to stand to your feet. I'm going to close in the Ronic benediction here in a minute. Before I do, I want to pray with you. 
I want to ask those of you who do not know God, and by that I mean you don't have a personal relationship. Almost everybody knows who God is. And I want to ask those who are lukewarm listening to my voice, you're playing games with God, you come and do your little religious thing, but you're, you're living like the devil yourself. Oh, wow, Rabbi Cal, I've never heard you preach like that in a while. I wasn't supposed to preach today. It was supposed to be my husband, but he's in the middle of finals and exams and papers and things. But I stirred up when I begin to reflect on this truth, friends. And I want to tell you, whether you're here in this sanctuary, whether you're listening to the podcast or you're watching the video, God loves you. And you may think it's old-fashioned to believe in God, and you may think that, that you don't need God, that you're going to depend on uh, whatever's coming down the pike in the future, and you have it all planned out. But I'm here to tell you that your plans, they're not going to succeed without God. And the greater truth is this theological truth, eschatological truth that I've been speaking about today is going to soon be a reality. Yeshua is going to return, and every single person listening to me today will stand before him in judgment. And I want you to say, enter in. Hear those words, enter in. I don't want you to go into a place of torment. So that's why I'm encouraging you. If you don't know Yeshua, or if you have been lukewarm in your walk, playing games, doing the religious thing because you're part of this congregation and you don't want the rabbis to get on you and ask you how you're doing or because your family tells you to do this or whatever the reason may be, I want to tell you stop playing games and get serious with God today. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'd like to ask everyone just to pray this prayer with me so if someone is praying it, they don't feel awkward. I ask you to pray this, who are watching right now, or if you're listening to this, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, if Yeshua doesn't return before then. I want to give you the opportunity to embrace this soon coming King, now, this side of his coming, so that you will spend eternity with him. Simple prayer, just lead out and just pray with me, Adonai. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Yeshua to die for my sins. I accept him today. He is my savior and my sanctifier and my soon coming king. I will yield to him and follow him all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to reach out to Rabbi Michael or myself. If you're part of the congregation, uh, you know how to do that. If you're listening to this here in, in the year 2020, I don't know 10 years where I'll be, but right now you can reach me at info at bethemanuel.com. Michael and I would love to encourage you in your walk of faith and to be those who cheer you on to finish the race. 
So right now I'm going to close with ironic benediction. After I close, you are free to, to leave and wish you a blessed Shabbat. Rabbi Michael, I know, is going to just minister a little bit here. And you're welcome to stay if you would want. Those who have children, please remember you need to collect your children <laughs> from the junior Shabbat uh, and, uh, and things. So we love you. Maranatha, come, Lord, come. Yivarecha Adonai v'yishmerecha, may Adonai bless you and keep you. Ya'er Adonai panabeleke v'kuneke, may Adonai make his face shine you and show you his favor. Isa Adonai panabeleke v'yasimleka shalom, may Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in peace of God Almighty. May you know that you know your name is written in the book of life. Be passionate for him. He's soon coming. Amen.
Just need 